Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Them. 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob. Casey's out today. Jim Merritt. Had so much fun yesterday. Or lost a bet. Either way, you're back here again today. I am. And you are the perfect guy to have it today because, of course, you spent 30 years in the Indiana Senate, uh, never losing an election. And then uh, you made the grave choice to be the sacrificial lamb as the 2019 Republican candidate for mayor of Indianapolis, and now that albatross is lifted from your neck, Jim. Congratulations! <laughs> well, it's, are, still, it's still on the record. Yeah, but you are no longer the most recent guy yeah. to have his head bashed yeah. in with a hammer by the uh, Democrat establishment in Marion County. Congratulations! Yeah. <laughs> You've won the pony. Yeah, I was feeling for uh, for Jefferson Shreve last night. Ouch! That's oh. all. Like, ouch! Well, look, and and I saw you responded, so maybe we can get into this a little bit. But to me. Winning elections is really about three core things, and that is, number one, people believing in the candidate or the cause. Number two, it is defining the debate around issues of that election, defining the debate of of that election around issues that fit the candidate or cause or in terms that benefit the candidate or cause. And number three, getting your message to voters. Shreve got his message to voters, no doubt. I mean, he spent, uh, uh, we think it'll be maybe $20 million by the time the final report is filed. He got the mailers out. He ran the TV ads. But I think it came down to people not believing in Shreve. He wasn't a guy that inspired people to want to believe in him and go out and storm the Bastille and knock on doors and drag their neighbors to the polls. And the issues that he chose to fight on were Joe Hogsett issues, and he was responsive to Joe Hogsett. And I hate to be the I told you so guy, because you know, Jim, there's nothing more that I hate of all the things that I didn't want to do today, but come on these airwaves and tell people how right I was. But we said for months, you are losing on these first two issues, and they were never addressed, and he got his ass beat yesterday. He was always on the defensive, and uh, this hurt. Uh, this hurt uh, me. It hurt the Republican Party in Marion County, and it, it, it hurts the state of Indiana. Uh, the the state of the Marion County contributes over thirty percent of the general uh, fund monies in the state budget. Indiana, Indianapolis, regardless of the debate, and and abortion got stuck in there for some. Well, we know that that's kind of the issue of the day for Democrats, but. Um, it 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 th- this is something that uh, that is going to sting for a long time. We now have uh, three different candidates that have taken a shot and uh, and and failed. And uh, I, at this time, I I usually say, well, uh, money is the mother's milk of politics, but there's plenty of money. Sure, sure so, had infinite money. Yeah, and you know, one part of me wants to say that mayor campaigns can't be a fire drill anymore. You know, come January, February, like I did, now Jefferson Shreve, uh, that we start, we try to put a campaign for mayor together uh, over 10 months. 
Whereas the incumbent has just been having fundraisers and has the has the base and the the straight ticket voting, uh, there's got to be something different that goes on that well, uh, makes Republicans competitive in Marion County. So if you look at the data on Indianapolis last night, it was pretty much chalk. The city is sixty forty. Yes, the vote total was sixty forty. Right. So it proves what we were saying for months, which is Shreve listened to idiots who did not understand that simply being a less damaging version of Joe Hogsett was not what it was going to take in order to get the candidate across the finish line. And all it seemed like Shreve did was he was responsive to Hogsett. His ads, he was running ads about abortion. He was always on the defensive. He was, and it's ridiculous because Joe Hogsett, it should have been a game of whack-a-mole for Jefferson Shreve. You know that game at the showbiz Pete? Well, I guess it's Chuck E. Cheese now. Where the little guy (laughs) pops up and you whack him and then he popped over and you whack him again. That should have been Jefferson Shreve from the word go. Well, yes. The, the, it, the, the, the opening salvo from Jefferson Shreve, and I, I thought this in my head from the beginning, should have been the opening ad when he's the nominee is him looking into the camera directly and not saying I like Joe Hogsett, not saying I'm running because Joe Hogsett is a Democrat or whatever. It should have been Joe Hogsett has failed. Joe Hogsett has let you down. Joe Hogsett has destroyed the city, and I am fed up with it. And if you believe in a better Indianapolis, if you believe in solving this problem, you got to throw this guy out with the trash, which he can't even take out on his own without injuring himself. Let's go charge. And there was never a charge moment from Jefferson Shreve. He had him on stage, Jim. Twice he had him on stage. And Phil Sanchez tossed the ball up to him and said, knock this ball out of the park. Asked Joe Hogsett about where he was during the riots. Hogsett lied to the entire city and Shreve not only just let him go, but let Hogsett boss him around on stage for bringing anything up. There's 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 something called drawing political blood, and and you have to you have to be a wildcat in this county. And and I. I I think that, and I've said this before, if you're in a debate, you're, if you're in commercial, you know, you're talking about the animal shelter, well, you, you circle back around to crime. If we have crime, you're not going to have an animal shelter. If, if you want a nice hotel down, downtown, you know, you, if you have crime as vicious as, and violent as we have, you're not going to have a nice hotel. If you're going to have the NBA All-Star, how are you going to keep people safe when they come into town? It all has to revert back to uh, Indianapolis being a dangerous place. It, and it happens daily. It happens. We hear about it on a, on a daily basis where people are, are um, taken to jail and then let out. And, it, and it, look, It's just Willie Horton all over again. And it, it's just, again, just the ineptitude... And I know you're friends with many of these people, but of the Marion County Republican Party and the establishment wing of the Republican Party, the power structure of the Republican Party, the people Shreve put around him gave him such horrible advice. And every time we would try to speak up on this and go, wait a second. The worst thing you could possibly do is team up with Hogset and make your signature crime issue Hogset, the same thing as Hogset. And Hammer and I were told, oh, you guys don't get it. People are this and they're that. No, they aren't. Well, it remains to be No, they aren't. It, 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 the, the issue in campaigning is, and, and you see this with Donald Trump. You see this with Joe Biden. You go back to the base. You make sure your base is yep. 
is strong, is firm, great foundation for a campaign. Now, I, I don't know about the people that, that uh, were advising him. I do know that he was listening to too many people. Yeah, you're and, right. And this happened in the state Senate campaign yep. as well. And, and, and all that money that was spent, probably, uh, I, I don't know where it went, but either advertising or staff, and an issue, it, it just can't be a 10-month campaign. The, the city of Annapolis did not have a chance. The voters did not have a chance. The Democrat voters didn't have a chance to get to know Jefferson. And, and uh, having a 10-month a sprint just can't happen anymore. You've got to settle on one person, and God bless Abdul uh, for running in the primary, but uh, you have to have one person that the city has to get to know, and and that's the only way that they're going to elect a Republican in the next 20 years. You, you, it's going to be incremental. You, you see this, and you're starting to see it now in the suburbs, too, where, I mean, we saw a Democrat elected in, in Brownsburg. We Almost saw, Westfield uh, we in saw, council district. Yeah, I mean, you, you saw uh, one in Avon, where it doesn't matter the party affiliation if you're not a good candidate and a good by a good candidate, I mean, with a vision that people believe in and you can inspire your people to go vote and you are putting the work in necessary to ensure those people go vote. There is a reason, Jim, despite I'm not sure there's somebody in central Indiana who has higher negatives than me, Jim. And yet I'm three and oh in elections where I've either been the candidate or the face of the cause, including once getting outspent basically a hundred thousand to three thousand. Why? Because I know how to inspire people to move, I know how to get the people to the polls, and I make sure on election day that it happens. That's what politics is. It's not about Democrat or Republican. It's not about likability or unlikability. It's about defining the elections, the relationship with your voters or the cause and and gosh darn it man i am so sick of seeing these republicans fail at the basic abc's of politics well, robert that doesn't happen overnight though ronald reagan started really running for president when goldwater is running in 1964 and he made it in 1980 it took him 16 years really for the republican party to trust him and then the american people to trust him so you know it it, it this these sprints of campaigns they don't work and the mountain that you're describing you're exactly right it's just not a simplistic process and uh apologies to mr kendall for not wearing a tie today <laughs> my dad was yesterday we went to vote and he goes i am so disappointed jim Merritt did not wear a tie yesterday doesn't he see how nicely dressed the people is that are that he works with <laughs> but anyway you you describe a, a a mountain to climb in a democrat county it's a lot like Rep uh, democrats are going to experience next year with the with the governor campaign uh, it, it's it, it the person that wins the Republican nomination uh, in, in in May, primary next year for governor, is going to be the next governor. Yeah, you're right. And so that to get that statewide is even a larger um, situation than just Marion County. All right, let's take a break. Jim Merritt's in for Casey today. When we come back, let's talk about what happened across the rest of the state because it was very interesting, a kind of a reset of the old world order in old guard Democrat strongholds, and the Democrats are claiming victory. I'll ask Jim if it was something for them to be excited about or it just is now what it once always was. We'll try to make sense of it. Coming up next, Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. So there was 
the state that had elections as well, not just Indianapolis. What happened? What do we make of it? 93 WIBC, and it's the Kendall and Casey Show. Rob, Casey's out today. Jim Merritt uh, in for Casey. Let's start in Carmel. And uh, Sue Finkham, the Republican, wins there. She's very much in the mold of Jim Brainerd. Um, She's certainly not going to be confused for being a conservative. She is sort of like the modern-day Carmel Republican. And that guy she ran against was a total ding-dong, Jim. What was his name? (laughs) Nelson, Miles Nelson. Yeah. I mean, uh, like, that was such a winnable race. It's so weird how Shreve and Nelson were kind of the same guy in the sense they both had winnable races. It was an uphill climb. Mm -hmm. But just a terribly run campaign where this Miles Nelson guy gets focused on Moms for Liberty Mm -hmm. and, uh, and the KKK, and it's like, you had a winnable race. Carmel's turning blue, but you spend all your time on that versus things like water and sewer and and roads and public infrastructure. And she, Sue Pinkham is, you know, just a normal enough person. Nobody's going to look at her and be like, yes, she's clearly an extremist. And she won easily. She did win easily. And, and you know, Miles, I think uh, most Republicans in Hamlin County in January, when there was going to be a, a fight in the primary for the mayor, uh, nomination in the, Repu- in the Republican Party, they thought that was really going to kind of drain the resources and the energy out of the Republican Party, and um, and they also saw Miles Mal- coming along, who was a uh, go along, get along uh, city councilman. Uh, he and Brainerd thought a lot alike. And, Brainerd and, went to one of his events, didn't yes, he? Yes, and, and, and uh, I thought so. And, and Jim used to tell me that if he would discuss things with Miles. And, and talk to him about why he wants to do what he wants to do, Miles would go along with it. And so, but then, uh, you know, Miles didn't run a, a very good campaign at all, number one, because it was winnable. Yeah. It was winnable. And 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 so Sue ran a textbook campaign for the for the for the primary and for the general. She had great people around her. Uh, I know her well. She'll be a very good uh, mayor of Carmel. She's a city councilman, so uh, she will. She knows the workings of the city, and um, it, it's just. I'm, I'm pleased that that Sue's going to be there. She'll be a very good mayor, and it's something to build on because uh, the, it, when I, you know, I, I recently moved to Hamlin County, and and if I could have the Republicans in 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 Hamill County in Marion County when I was chairman or running for mayor it would have been much different and so uh it, it, at the beginning of the year I really felt as though that the the Hamill County had to come to the fore had to put everything on the line republican wise and that's how they won yeah and let's face it the argument you know it's like the state is so odd in the sense of if you live in Carmel you know what you're getting into when you live in Carmel. And the idea, there was maybe a time 10 or 15 years ago where a guy who was running on the idea that the debt is too big and the government is too big and this is irresponsible management of money, that guy might have had a shot. That That is over with. Right. If you go to Carmel, you know you're, you are moving into a place that spends huge amounts of public money on stuff that is not associated with necessities of daily life. We're talking reflexive pools. We're talking palladiums. You know, we're talking all of statues. the uh, hotels, mm-hmm. these stupid statues. Mm-hmm. But I'm not living there. Right. And so the argument that where I live that wins, and we saw these school referendums breeze through in, in Carmel right. and in Fishers, mm-hmm. but yet they fail other places. 
because people are just willing to pay. They have the money. They're willing to pay. They believe the argument that spending more money on public education creates better public education, despite evidence to the contrary mm-hmm. that simply throwing money at stuff does not solve the issue. But the world in which I live, it doesn't work there. So that's why I don't, I don't live there. And so if you're running in Carmel, the argument isn't about social issues. It isn't about any of that on either side, as Niles, as Miles Nelson found out on the left, or if you're a conservative like like Fred Glenn found out on the right, it is about competency of the management of the gargantuan amount of public cost that is invested here. Well, like that, also, that's what it's about. Uh, yeah, also, but on the other side of that is growth. There is constant growth it's not apartments like brownsburg oh yeah no they they actually have stuff people want in carmel it's not yeah you're right it's not uh, it's apartment high rises and high density housing you're right jim yes it's, it's offices it's they they widen the tax base yes so they can have the amenities and the things that people like i tell you walking downtown main street uh and 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 having a a, a sandwich at joe's you know a meat shop it, it, is that a real it, place, or did you make that up? No, no, it's, a real it's place. wonderful. They have <laughs> there's only a place called Joe's Meat Shop. Yeah, they have great, great sandwiches, and you walk on the Monon, and then you have a sandwich. You can sit outside on Main Street, and and uh, Simon, my dog, sits with me, and and it's almost Gosh. like Shanger Law. I just picture your perfect life of you at Joe's Meat Shop <laughs> with Simon, your dog, with your very nice ensemble, as you always are. Yeah. Uh, you're just like out of a, a, a 50s, well, a 50s television show, yeah, Jim it, it, it's, uh They have created a life in Carmel that we all want to participate in. All right, let's take a break. Uh, Kurt Darling will get us updated on the news, and then we'll take a look at the rest of the state because there were big wins for Democrats in what have traditionally been Democrat strongholds that have not been Democrat strongholds recently. Did that make sense? We'll clarify. Coming up next, Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. Okay, let's just make something very clear. If your candidate lost... The radio guy is not to blame. <laughs> All right. I just love that last night. Hammer and Nigel got it. I got it. That, You're that, the you, know, you know how silly that is? You're the reason Shreve lost. Yeah. yeah. So on one hand, nobody listens. On the other hand, I'm the sole reason in a whatever that's going to be a $30 million campaign. Yeah. You know, after we have state house happenings at times, I'll get calls from people and say, you've got to defend Jefferson Shreve and... <laughs> And I and I think I'm fair. And, yeah, you're very uh, fair. You're too fair. I, I, and and uh, but you know you got to call as, as you see it. I try to be as supportive on these airwaves as as I very much because Jefferson Shreve's a long, long. But it's time not. For it's not your job to support failure. It's like I used to feel pressure on this all the time, Jim. Where people would say, "You got to help so and so," and that's why we talked about this yesterday. Mm-hmm. I gave up on endorsing. I've given up on endorsing people because. I've been burnt on a local level because I've been burned by every single person who told me, oh, yes, please help me, and I will. And then it takes a while. Well, it's like the, two or three years later. Robert, the only thing I endorse these days is Joe's Butcher that's Shop right. in Carmel. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> and, and so I just love that last night that these people, and I get the people are mad and they're scared about the direction of the they're city. And, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it, but it's like the radio guy does not control the outcome of the election. We talk about, and you know, we do it, Tony does it, Hammer Nods do it. We talk about things that are interesting to us and we give you our opinion of the things that are happening. And that's what we do. And if that opinion resonates 
with our audience, then that's on you. Mm -hmm. That's not on us. People don't have to listen to this program. They listen because we make good points. And if we're making good points about things your candidate is doing or not doing, then that's on you. Right now, we have to support FOP, Rich Schneider, and the police force of Marion County. It is very important. Uh, obviously, the mayor's uh, office has has uh, eluded the Republicans now, but it's so very important to continually push for change because people are voting with their feet. People are leaving Marion County, and and uh, as Bill Hudnut said, you you can't have a donut. You can't you can't surround nothing, and so it's so important uh, for us to support law enforcement. and And I am so appreciative that all of you have Rick Schneider on our airwaves yeah. every so once in a while because he speaks truth to power. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the rest of the state because mm-hmm. Democrats are doing a happy dance here. And look, everybody knows as we I say this, I'm the last person who's like going to carry water or defend the Republicans, mm-hmm. um, but. They, the Democrats won the mayor's office in both Evansville and Terre Haute and some other places across the state. And I think it's a weird flex because it's like, well, for generations, Terre Haute and Evansville were Democrat strongholds. Things kind of got so bad there that, you know, very moderate Republicans in the case of Winnecke and, and, and in, in Evansville and Duke Bennett in Terre Haute were able to come in. And when Eki retired, mm-hmm. uh, elected not to seek another term, Bennett was running. But that's a weird flex to win where you should win and then be spiking the football about it, right? Well, you that, got that's, it. Not, that's like, like that the state is changing rapidly Democrat. Well, the Mike Schmuel, is that how you pronounce yeah. his name? The Democrat state chairman yeah. had to crow about it because you got it, it's a lot like Republicans in, in Marion County. You got to build brick by brick and 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 uh it didn't surprise me that uh, democrats were uh delirious with with happiness last night because we're winning Terre Haute. yeah well it's positive and they, <laughs> and they've been kept out of that office jim, for so long jim is someone who has uh an entire side of my family who generations in Terre Haute, the fact that the Democrats are rockets red glare lots of bombs in the air over winning Terre Haute, that tells you the condition of the the, the the Democrat part. It's like having a it's having like a four leg parlay in sports and you got one team that's down by three touchdowns, but because one team won when they were, you know, a ten point favorite, you're like, Hey, we won over here though. Well, really? I mean that's I mean yeah. Terre Haute is should be Democrat. It should be and and so should Fort Wayne, should so should South Bend, Evansville. They should be Democrat strongholds and and uh, but uh, Winnicky in Evansville proved that personality can and, and and effort and being a part of the community and and having a vision proved that that um, uh, Republicans can can uh, win in in urban areas and it, it uh, uh, I, I'm certain that Republicans will be back to life in Evansville maybe not Terre Haute isn't I mean, a big, that kid is 27 years but old. isn't a big isn't a big part of it too though Jim. We've seen such a population shift where Terre Haute, and we talked about this with Mark Deedle yesterday when we were talking about real estate stuff, 
it's only the 15th biggest city in the state now. It's not like there was a time where Tarot was probably the fourth or fifth biggest city in the state. And you're like, okay, that's a power structure. Right. It's not anymore. And they've got their own casino. Yeah, they're, they're going too soon. <laughs> that's right. But Tarot, it's not a big deal anymore. No. And, and again, I no. say somebody who has a, a deep affinity for Terre Haute, mm-hmm. a lot of great memories, Terre Haute, spent much of my childhood in Terre Haute, but it's just not a, it's not a big deal. It's not a player anymore. It, it's and not. It really isn't. That casino will pump up, uh, pump up the area they'll uh, they'll benefit like Lawrenceburg has benefited from their their riverboat Terre Haute but- will screw that casino up though you know Terre Haute <laughs> is going to screw that casino up as someone who is pretty familiar with Terre Haute politics you just simply know they're going to screw that casino Let's hope up they don't get their hands on it I, so I just thought that was just kind of a weird flex coming from the Democrats last night and I get a win is a win you got to accentuate the positive when you're in politics and the moment you've got it you've got to uh, I can remember uh when when Ballard won, I mean, it, it, people were deliriously happy, and and uh, but you it, shouldn't have a Republican mayor in Indianapolis. That's something to be happy about. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, um, that's going to do it for our election coverage for for a little while. We got a lot of other things going on in the world, and one of the things going on in the world is this economy, and it is just like the housing market; it's all over the map. Is it good? Is it bad? It seems like it depends by the day. It depends by the person. So I said, let's bring in an expert, Jim. Let's get to the bottom of what's going on. Our old pal, one of the best in the business, famed Duke economist, Dr. Michael Munger, will join us when we come back. Jim Meredith for Casey. It's Kennelly Casey Show, 93 WIBC. But this economy scares the heck out of me. Let's talk to an expert about what's going on. 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey show. Let's go to the WIBC hotline. Joined by the great Duke economist, Dr. Michael Munger. All right, Dr. Munger. uh, You see poll after poll saying people are very unhappy with the condition of the country, the direction of the country. The Democrats are like, well, it's really not all that bad out there. We just got a messaging issue. Is it bad out there or do the Democrats have a messaging issue? Well, in some ways, the Democrats have a messaging issue. The GDP was up a lot the last quarter, and that actually is a measure that a lot of people look look to for the growth of the economy. Unemployment is 3.9 percent, but I think that masks two things. One is the sense of uh, uncertainty that people have that there's really no one who's worried about them. What we're worried about is trying to expand the sort of frivolous investments in green energy. And we all know a lot of people that are not working, but they're not being counted as unemployed. So I think some of what the Biden administration is pointing to saying, look, things are not so bad. Some of it's true. Most of it's not true because the unemployment rate disguises the fact that there's a bunch of people who have given up and have just decided they're going to live outside of the economy. So I think almost everyone knows some people in the, the that prime 24 to 50 age group who's not working, but is not really looking for work. And so they're not counted in the unemployment statistics. Dr. Michael, I think a lot of I was just going to say, Dr. Michael Munger is our our guest, a Duke economist. We're talking about the condition of the economy. I don't know if you noticed this, Dr. Munger, but things are really expensive at the store right now. Have you noticed that? 
the inflation rate has gone up a lot, and the inflation rate is the overall rate of price increases. But there are some things where the prices have gone up a whole lot. And I think one of the reasons people don't trust the Biden administration is they passed this legislation that was increased spending on a bunch of stuff and was supposed to create a bunch of new jobs where in many cases we already have a large worker shortage. And they called this, they thought that it would work if they called this, they they thought about calling it Alice or John, but instead they called it the Anti-Inflation Act. And nobody was fooled by that because the prices have gone up almost 20% in the last three years. So 20% means that if I had a dollar in 2020, I now have 80 cents. And there's a lot of people that live on fixed income. So you combine the fact that prices on some things have gone up by more than 20%, and I still have the same amount of money that I'm trying to stretch. I have a family. I haven't really gotten a raise. And I think you've put your finger on it. That's the core issue. Yeah, like I went to the store, and you know this because you've known me for about 15 years now. I'm thrifty, Dr. Munger. I am very thrifty. I, I I happen to know that you you keep a close eye on the three major food groups: ho hos, cheddar popcorn, and chocolate milk. True story. Doctor Munger once was in Indianapolis for a speech, and I picked you up. I don't know if you remember this, and uh, I took you to the Cracker Barrel. That's how thrifty we, I am. We we went and. The, the Cracker Barrel worked out well. I, I think you actually insisted we split the bill, and <laughs> I'll get this for mine. I remember. Here's what I remember is I told you I was eating healthy, and I proceeded to get macaroni and cheese, and you lectured me for 15 minutes about how unhealthy mac and cheese was. You didn't put butter on it, so I was proud of you. <laughs> my point on all of this is I went to the store last night. I have to get the dog food. Bruce, my English Bulldog, has to eat, so I can't opt out of that. However, I went to get the six-pack of little bottles of Pepsi, and they were like five thirty. and it wasn't that long ago they were $3, and I simply said I can't afford this, and I, and I didn't buy it. And I'm thinking, like, I actually have some disposable income. Not much, but some. What do people who don't have any? Are they just not buying the dog food now? What are these people doing? It it does mean that they have the sense that no one is caring for this because the Democrat message is we passed legislation and it was called the Inflation Reduction Act. And so you people are just whiners. And there's a disconnect between I think everybody agrees there's a disconnect between the messaging and actual reality. The Democrats are hoping that they can change people's perceptions. But there's a lot of things that people care about that, that having the name of an act be the Inflation Reduction Act is not going to help. You are the economist. Dr. Michael Munger, Duke economist, is our guest. The Republicans uh, promised they were going to get spending under control. They have done nothing thus far to get spending under control. Is that why the Republicans continue to struggle during elections? We saw this again across the country last night. People just go, we don't trust you. We don't like you. There's no reason to be voting for you. What is the reason that Republicans always refuse to do the thing they promised to do during the election, which is get the spending under control? As you know, Rob, I'm a broken record on this. There's a corrupt bargain. The Democrats are free to raise spending as much as they want to buy votes. And the Republicans will let them do that as long as they get to cut taxes to buy votes. But if you cut taxes and you don't cut spending, all you're doing is increasing the deficit. And the size of the deficit has gone from astonishing to incomprehensible. So 
that's actually a tax increase. And I think the reason that Republicans won't actually cut spending, what they always want to do is cut, is cut waste, fraud, and abuse. We're all for that. But if, if you press someone, and I've tried this, local officials, uh, senators, members of the House of Representatives, okay, tell me, what are you going to cut? Because they say we're going to cut spending. There's never an answer. So I, I, I think you're right. This is a bipartisan corrupt problem. It's not just the Democrats. Democrats happen to have the president. But if the, if anyone who's actually not, their first message is, here's what I'm going to cut spending on. These four things, then they're not serious. You told me this years ago, and I actually used this on the air the other day. You are always with us, Dr. Munger, even when you aren't with us, and I know that makes you very happy. You told me something years ago when we, when Obama was president, we were doing uh, our regular hits together. You said Obama's most used phrase is, let me be clear, and his least used phrase is, let me be specific. And that has always stuck with me because that is so true about these politicians. I, I, in a way, you can't blame them. You can't blame a dog for eating out of the garbage. We reward that. It's voters' fault. We keep lining up and voting for these people that are always very clear about not being specific. <laughs> Just, I can't. All right, so you teach the young kids at Duke. Um, you're still actually doing some teaching, right? I mean, I know you're jettisoning oh, across, the, across the world these days. Uh, you're, yeah, you're, 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 you're you're calling me old. That's unfair. You're, I'm not that old. Yes, I'm still teaching. You're in demand. I mean, you're like one day you're in Louisiana, the next day you're in Texas. I, I told you before I started the interview, for 15 years I've been trying to be you, and I'm no closer to being you. It's really, it's you and Mick Jagger lived the life that I've desired. <laughs> I've not heard that comparison before. Thank you. But do the young people, so when you're in class at Duke, that's obviously an esteemed university, one of our nation's highest uh, you know, academic institutions. Do they get what's going on out there? Are they, are they feeling it? Do they know who to blame? What, what are the young people saying these days? Young people are mostly worried about the environment. And there are potential worries about the environment. I think they're also worried about their employment prospects, but the, the, I, I don't think they understand the dysfunction of government because their entire adult lives, the, our two parties have been unwilling to do anything about budgets. Now, I'm old enough and you're old enough to remember when at least we had some arguments about that. I never thought I would say this, but the Clinton administration, of all things, <laughs> actually took budget and deficit problems seriously. And for a brief shining moment there, we had a budget surplus. Now, we've never had a, a coherent functional budget system since about 2000 or 2001. So uh, these kids have no idea that that's actually a thing that government could, much less should, do. So I, I, we've lost something important. All right. Where could people find you, Dr. Munger, if they'd like to know more about your uh, earth-shattering views? They are the best of the best. I can vouch for that. And you know there's no better uh, endorsement than mine. Where can people learn more about you? Two places. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the thing that used to be called Twitter, it is now X. I am Mungowitz, M-U-N-G-O-W-I-T-Z. And I have a podcast, P-A-I-T-C, The Answer is Transaction Costs, where I try to analyze current problems, particularly in things like social media from a transaction cost perspective. So trying to spread the gospel of economics. That's T-A-I-T-C. Uh, you're the best, Dr. Bunker. Thank you for being with us and sharing some of your uh, your intellect and insights. We appreciate it. You're the best.